Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. This is actually the last letter that Paul the Apostle wrote. There is a couple more epistles after this that are short little letters that come after this. And if you look at the epistles that Paul wrote, you'll notice they're all grouped together. But they start from the largest one, uh, Romans, and then they proceed to First, Second Corinthians. And as silly as it sounds, it's very simple, very scientific. They went from the biggest to the smallest, which doesn't put them in chronological order, which is oftentimes the most desired by at least the Western mindset, always likes everything, what came first. Sometimes you'll be reading through the scriptures and you'll find out the book you're reading, it might be six, seven books into the Old Testament, and it turns out it's the oldest book in the whole of the scripture, like the book of Job. It's actually the oldest of all of the scriptures that we have. Some people think it's Genesis. I'm like, no, Genesis is written after Job. In fact, in Genesis we find mention of him, but he had to be around before they could mention him, so you put the two and two together and figure out these things. This is the last epistle that Paul wrote. Paul, he knows that it's about time for him to depart from this earth. So let's turn to the end of this epistle. We read here that in verse 6 of chapter 4, the last chapter of this book, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. And in the future there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul, he knew that his time had come. In all of his other epistles, he never says, I'm done. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. Nothing about finishing, nothing about having completed, nothing about going to be with the Lord. But this epistle is different. It is marked by these words that he knew his time of departure had come. We know he was imprisoned at the time he wrote this. He may have got word already through the jail that, hey, this is it. You're going to be executed, time for you to get your things in order. Whatever the case was, we know that Paul was certain he was leaving. Now, whenever someone's going to depart that's been in Christ, especially like Paul, the apostle, I want to give heed. What does he have to say? Let's read together. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. I'm about to die, but what am I going to talk to you about? the promise of life in Christ Jesus. Now to Timothy, my beloved son, here he is calling him his beloved son, to you grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. This clear conscience was the thing you'll remember that they wanted to stone him for when he declared in Acts that he stood before them with a clear conscience, the Pharisees said, how could you dare say such a thing? You know, the Jews don't believe you can have a clear conscience because they don't know the forgiving power of the Lord Jesus. The Lord doesn't just forgive us our sins, but he cleanses us of all unrighteousness. And it's not that Paul was perfect. Timothy was aware of this. as Surely Paul had shared his testimony. He was Saul of Tarsus, out killing Christians. And yet he says, I have a clear conscience. How could he have it clear? 
something that everyone seems to wrestle with in this world. How do I get my conscience clear of things that I have done wrong? Well, Paul knew the answer. It's faith in Jesus that had cleansed his conscience. And so he writes to Timothy. He says, I've been constantly remembering in prayers night and day, longing to see you even as I recall your tears so that I might be filled with joy. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt with your grandmother Lois and with your mother Eunice, and I am sure that is in you as well. Well, he knew that Timothy had come to faith. He had introduced him to the faith. I find this quite interesting. Timothy, I'm mindful of the sincere faith which is within you. That faith that was in your grandmother, Lois, and your mom, Eunice. Wait a minute. He's writing from jail. I am sure it is in you as well. What do you think he's doing? I think he's giving a little pep talk here. Well, I know he is. I read ahead. Look at verse 6. He says, and for this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and a sound mind and of power and love and discipline. This is something that comes from the Lord. He said, Timothy, God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. In fact, I got to write you something. Verse six, he says, I write to remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hand. What gift of God was given through the laying on of hands? The Holy Spirit. Remember, Paul said to have the elders, the presbytery, to give them instruction to lay hands. If anyone was sick, let them come, confess their sin to the elders, have them to lay hands on them, and the prayer offered in faith would heal such a one. Then we read in the book of Acts that through the laying on of hands that the Holy Spirit was given. The gifts of the Holy Spirit were transferred to the believers. Paul says, I want to remind you, that you kindle afresh that gift of God. He knew that Timothy had received the gift of God's Spirit. Well, we're told in the parable Jesus gives the greatest gift that can be given. We always think it could be, give me a million bucks, material things. No, the greatest gift is the gift of God's Spirit. The good gift which the Father gives is His Spirit. Why? Why would Paul have to write to Timothy? Now, Paul's about to depart. He's not going to talk about small chit-chat. This is probably one of the greatest studies you could possibly give, knowing that you're leaving. He says, I write you, Timothy, to kindle afresh the gift of God, which was given to you through the laying on of my hand. I write you to kindle afresh. This word kindle. Anyone here kindle the fire? Why do you kindle a fire? Well, first of all, what is kindling a fire? You stir it up, right? You poke it. Because if you had a coal that was glowing and you stirred that up and you blew on it, it begins to glow and ignite and you could put other timber on it and you can ignite the fire again real easily. It's a lot easier to stir up that fire that has already been built. And if you leave it alone, yes, it kind of looks like it's gone away because the ash has covered it and you don't see the glowing coals inside, but those glowing coals can be the hottest, but they need a little bit of kindling. Even a fire that has burned brightly sometimes needs to be stirred up. It needs to be kindled afresh. God's Spirit wants to kindle afresh in some of you the things He has put in you, the gifts that were given to you from His throne. 
you know, God gives us all gifts that, well, they actually match and suit each one of us. Because God knows what will suit you better than anyone else. He made you. God has no desire to give you these wonderful gifts and have you just, well, sit on them until they just go out to where they're not used and they're not burning brightly for him. Because these gifts of the Spirit are marvelous. There's so many facets of the Holy Spirit that we read about in the Scripture. Some people, they have gifts from God. They don't even know that they're gifts from God. Oh, they realize they have certain aptitudes. They call it, yeah, well, I kind of have a knack for fixing things. These are things God's Spirit puts in everybody. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. A discussion of the spiritual gifts that God gives. We're told there's a variety of gifts in this chapter, but there's only one Spirit. It's the same Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 4, now there are the variety of gifts with the same Spirit. There are a variety of ministries. But there's the same Lord. And to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Did you know that there's different manifestations of God's Spirit? But it's all for the common good of the church. Yes, the manifestations, the way that His Spirit manifests Himself to us, they differ. In fact, they differ even from one church group to another. I've been in one church group where you'll see some manifestations of His Spirit and then go to another church group and they have different ones. And some people say, well, that's really weird. They have those, and these guys have those, and I don't know. And I say, but how many Holy Spirits are there? One. It's the same Spirit. He just gives different manifestations. Listen to this. This is beautiful. It is for the common good that they're given. Verse 8 says, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. Boy, if that isn't a good gift. How many of you like the gift of the word of wisdom? Wisdom is knowing what to do in a circumstance. It's not knowing a problem. Word of knowledge is knowing something without even having to study. Car breaks down on the side of the road. You don't even know what's wrong. All of a sudden it comes to you. Blink. In your mind's eye, you know it's the alternator. That's a word of knowledge. But how to fix the alternator? You might have a word of knowledge. I know it's the alternator, but I don't have wisdom how to fix it. Now, if you're gifted with the word of wisdom... That's knowing what to do with the knowledge, how to fix the thing. That's a gift. Well, so is the word of knowledge. In fact, it says, through the same Spirit, another receives a word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. And to another, they receive faith by the same Spirit. To another, they receive gifts of healing, but by the same Spirit. Another affecting of miracles, and another prophesying, and another distinguishing of spirits, and various kinds of tongues, different languages you can speak, and to another interpretation of tongues. But one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as He wills. You know, it is God who wills to give us gifts, and it's according to His will. He gives out the gifts to who He sees that those gifts suit them. Well, I don't know if I would want to be used for miracles. That might freak me out. Like, how'd you like to have this gift, that you had the gift of healing? Somebody's sick and you just get to walk over and pray for them. Anyone would like that? You go to the hospital and just empty out the whole floor. Would that be fun? Some of you are going, yeah, let me do that. Well, it sounds like you might be suited for that. Some of you are going, don't do it to me, man. I don't freak me out. Don't worry. God knows which gifts suit us. There's more gifts, but 
Paul is very, very wise to point out to the Corinthian church that not every gift is given to every person. In fact, he goes on and tells us there's other gifts. There's gifts in the church, like gifts of apostles and prophets and teachers. There's gifts of miracles and healings and helps. Oh, did you know that there is a gift called the gift of helps? Right there. Look in verse 28. There is a gift of helps and administrations and various kinds of tongues, different languages, a gift to speak. Don't even have to study for it. God just gives you a gift. But Paul says, these are gifts. There's a gift of helps. You know, some people, they just have a gift of helping. Some of you may have that gift right here in this room. And you've never even thought of it. Didn't even realize God gave you that gift of help. And you always just been one of those people that when someone needed help, you just jumped in and helped. Do you know that there are people that absolutely do not have the gift of helps? I'm telling you, I know a few. Verse 29, all are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have the gifts of healing, do they? And all do not speak with tongues, do they? You know, some churches say, unless you speak in tongues, you don't have the Spirit. They're wrong. All do not have the gift of tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? But earnestly desire the greater gifts. And I'll show you still a more excellent way. What's the greater gifts? Well, if you read on in the chapter, he talks about how love, without love, you're just a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal, and all gifts have to operate with love. But when you get to chapter 14, we're told, pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Read verse 1 of chapter 14. The greatest gift from the Holy Ghost is the gift of prophecy. The scripture says no man prophesies of his own will. It's man moved by the Spirit of God. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. To prophesy is speaking of the things, what is the mind of God. It's not what is the mind of the person prophesying. In fact, the prophet always starts off his prophesying with things like, thus saith the Lord, not thus saith me. Who cares? I don't want to listen to some guy telling me what he thinks. I want to hear from God. How about you? I love to have someone who has the gift from the Holy Ghost, and there are people who do. I love to be around them because they don't come up and tell you what they think. They'll say, the Lord's telling me to tell you. Now, for those of you who've been wondering, what does the Lord want to tell you? It's really convenient to have a friend who's got the gift of prophecy. You know, you keep him in your back pocket when you need to know what the Lord has. Hey, Lord, hey, tell the guy to speak. If you study the Old Testament scriptures, the kings, David, Who's his friends that he trusted? The prophets. Because they spoke not what they wanted, but what the Lord's. We all desire to hear what the Lord says. Paul says, this is the greatest gift. And some of you may have that gift. Where you don't speak what you think, but you get the privilege of being tuned into God when God says, tell him this. See, a prophet is an interesting gift, that gift of prophecy. I tell the kids, it's easy to teach kids what a prophet's like. You know what a prophet's like? A prophet... Is like a radio. Picture those old-style radios with the dial that you turn to dial it into a certain frequency. And this radio has been turned to a frequency that is dialed in to the signal that God broadcasts his signal on. And that radio is never messed with on the tuner. The tuner gets turned to the right frequency, and they smash the dial. You can't change it from that frequency. It's only tuned to God. 
and it stays on that channel. And if God's got something to be said, he broadcasts the signal. The little radio gets the radio waves, and what's it do? It puts it through its transistors and out its little speaker, and it says, Broadcasting now, thus saith the Lord. And it says whatever it is that the signal is sending. And as soon as the signal stops, what happens to the little radio? It stops. A true prophet only says what it receives from the Lord. The rest of the time it just sits there in waiting mode. I mean, truly, prophecy isn't saying what you think. Prophecy is saying what he is saying. And it's nice to have people that have that gift around you that are tuned in to him. When you're going, oh God, I need to know what you have for me. Please show me. Give me a sign. Send me a prophet. Paul says to Timothy, you have a gift. But you need to kindle it afresh. You need to stir it up. God gave you a gift, Timothy, and it's been sitting so long that the fire's going down and you need it stirred. If I could give one study. Last one, I'm going to die tomorrow. I'd like to tell the church to kindle afresh the gift God's given them from his spirit. Every one of you. Because he has a gift for every one of us. He knows us. This isn't the exhaustive list of gifts. There's more gifts that are listed in the scripture that are attributed to the Holy Ghost. I mean, we have these wonderful gifts of teachers and, and administrations and helps and tongues. But if you read Ephesians chapter 4, when Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, he adds to this list pastors and evangelists. He says those are also gifts of the Spirit. In Mark chapter 13, he says, Jesus said, when you are brought before courts, this is verse 11, and you don't know what you're to say when they drag you before those courts for my name's sake. He said, take no thought. Don't plan a prepared speech, what you're going to do when they haul you in for your faith, because the Holy Spirit will grant unto you utterances. He will give you the words to speak. He will give you wisdom before the courts that they can't cope with. This is Mark chapter 13, verse 11. The Holy Spirit, one of the gifts that he gives, words to speak. Have you ever had God's Spirit give you something to speak to someone? And you thought, man, that came out good. I don't think I could have come up with that. Where'd that come from? You ever had that experience? You're going, wow, I didn't even know I remembered that scripture. And it just came flowing out. And it fit perfect. That's a gift of the Spirit that Paul would write you and say, kindle that afresh. There was a day when you let God speak that word through you, that word to encourage someone. Maybe it was a friend that was down. Maybe it's just that he gave you that word of comfort. You know, that's one of the gifts of the Spirit is that he brings comfort. He brings teaching. He brings all things to our remembrance, Christ has said. And some of you have experienced it, but it's kind of been, you said, well, that was back when I was younger and I was new at this. And yeah, that happened all the time back then. Well, if it happened all the time back then, but it isn't happening now, then I got something to tell you. You need to kindle afresh that gift because when that fire is stirred, when those gifts are operating in the church, that's when people want to go to church. Man, I went to church the other day. The pastor, he was on talking about something, but it wasn't really what I needed to hear. But someone in the back afterwards turned to me and said, the Lord just wants you to know this. And it was exactly what I needed to hear. Can you believe it? How many times could I tell you that that is what God desires to happen in the church? 
the pastor is not a one-man show, and it's not about all everyone hearing what they need to hear through the pastor. There are some of you gifted right here in this room to bring words of comfort, exhortation. That's another gift that the Holy Spirit gives. In Romans chapter 12, verse 6, we can add to this list. Serving is another gift. Exhortation, giving, leading. Did you know leadership is a gift that God's Spirit can give? Some people just are giving it from God. This is Romans 12, 6. How about mercy? Did you know that showing mercy is a gift? You know, mercy is mercy is not receiving what you do deserve. The Bible says that there's grace and there's mercy. Grace is unmerited favor. That's where you don't merit something. God gives you something that you didn't even deserve. You didn't earn it. You didn't work for it. You didn't merit like merit badges. Now, mercy is the sister gift to grace, but it is not getting what you do deserve. But by his mercy, I'm not going to give you what you do deserve. I'll withhold that judgment. And I'll give you grace instead. Now, the Bible teaches us, Romans 12, start at verse 6. It says that since we have gifts that differ according to the graces given to us, let us exercise them accordingly. If you have the gift of prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. If your gift is service, if your gift is service, then do so in your serving. If your gift is teaching, then in his teaching. Romans 12, 8. Or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Man, all of these gifts we get like qualifications how to do it. If you give, give with liberality. Give freely. Nothing worse than a stingy giver. All right, I'm going to give it to you, but you know, I don't really want to. If you're going to give, give it freely. If you're going to lead, it says lead with diligence. If you're going to show mercy, do so with cheerfulness. There is nothing worse than someone telling me they're going to show me mercy, but there's no cheerfulness in their demeanor. All right. I know you deserve this, and I should really let you have it. You know, mercy has to come with cheerfulness. It's like God just touched your life, a little touch from his spirit. This is how important it is to us to follow these things. And there are more gifts. I submit to you right in this chapter. Verse 10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. I submit to you giving preference to somebody. Putting them before you is something his spirit can work in a man that I don't even think we can do on our own. Verse 11, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. How should you serve the Lord? With a fervency, rejoicing in the hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. There's another gift. The ones that can intercede. The spirit of God makes some people true intercessors. Devoted to prayer. Contributing to the needs of the saints and practicing hospitality. You know that some of you are gifted with a gift of hospitality and you've had it from God's Spirit all these years. People come over and there you are. Getting them a glass of water. Can I get you some tea? And you had the gift of hospitality and you don't even think God gave you any gifts. Tell you what, if that's your gift, use it. I think the body of Christ needs every gift to work. The church gets built up the most 
when whatever gift it is that God has gifted you, when it is kindled afresh in you and you are stirred up and you're using your gift, Paul's going to die. He knows it. He doesn't talk about death. He talks about life in Christ. And then he talks about the gift of God given to Timothy. The first thing out of his mouth, Timothy, kindle afresh that gift that was given you through the laying on of hands. Well, Paul's just starting. But this is his intro. This is the intro to his last letter. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord or at our podcast site, CelebrateTheLord.org. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona. Our Lord is an awesome redeemer.